Hey everybody, you are listening to the Yes Life Reality episode 3 where we are going to dive in to all of the gritty details of emotional abuse, narcissistic abuse, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and how to tackle it when you feel like you're falling into that black hole and like no one is there to help you out. So today is going to be very real, it's very honest, and we are just going to touch on the subject that is uh, makes a lot of people uncomfortable because a lot of people in abusive relationships feel like they can't talk or they're ashamed to talk and that they should stay silent about their story or their experience and I want to tell you like I have been telling you from the beginning silence is the enemy you need to tell your story you need to speak out and surround yourself with people and keep talking because as long as you're talking their power does not exist today I am also so excited to bring on our first guest ever. Um, she's a good friend of mine. She is doing immense things in her personal life, in her coaching life. She is growing and changing lives every single day by sharing her story, speaking out, and connecting with other women who feel like they are alone in this journey and I know that her story is going to resonate with so many of you, and I hope that you just truly take a minute and listen to what she has to say, and you know, if you feel like you resonate with her and you want to connect with her, send me an email. Um, I'll hook you up in our Facebook group, and we will, you know, get you connected, uh, maybe you can work with her as a coach or just, you know, if you resonate with her story and you want to say thanks for sharing, shoot me a message at yesliferealty at gmail.com and um, I will pass it along to her and make sure that she can reach back out to you. So I am going to share a quick little story and then I'm going to bring her on and let her um, share her story with you. Uh, this topic tonight is a personal one for me, not in the sense of an emotional abusive relationship with a significant other, um, but in the fact that I have had a situation with someone close to me, um, a family member who not only broke my trust and my support, but he harassed me to the point where I had to put legal matters at hand. Um, it was to the point where I couldn't go to work. Um, 
without having a panic attack for being in my office because it was in the vicinity of him and I would have to see him walk by every day. Um, I had to save every message and every phone call because it was constant belittling and blackmail and just things that you would never think that a sibling would do to you and it caused me to go into a state where I couldn't function in my daily life. I couldn't get up and go to work. I couldn't do my job at work. I didn't feel like I was supported. I didn't feel like I was valued. I felt like life was never going to get easier and I was on my own. I know now that that was not my fault. I know now that it was a combination of postpartum depression and anxiety and PTSD around the behavior that I was experiencing and the abuse that I was experiencing. And it still takes me a while to get myself together in situations where I'm triggered. I cannot see a green minivan without having a mild panic attack. I can't go to certain parts of town without feeling like I'm going to have something said about me or um, end up back in court because of all of that again. So I still deal with that, but I've learned how to manage my anxiety with medication, with meditation and journaling. And the most important thing I found is talking. I've been able to manage my anxiety because I can talk about it, because I can share my story. And I have friends and family who love me and support me through everything that I'm going through. So um, I share a little more about this. Um, in my interview with our guest today. And so you'll hear more about that a little later on. But the biggest thing I want you to take away from this today is that if you're in a relationship where you are seeing signs of control or um, emotional or verbal and physical abuse even, you're not alone. It's not your fault. You matter and there are resources out there for you to get help and we want to help you do that. If you don't feel like you have someone that you can go talk to in your personal space, you can always reach out to me on any of my social media or at yesliferealty at gmail.com. You can be anonymous if you'd like. It, you Just please know that you're not alone and that the space that you're in right now, it is not going to last forever and there are ways out. So please reach out if you feel the need to. So now I am going to bring on our guest and 
I hope that you get as much out of her story as I have and that you pass it along to your friends who you think need to hear it too. All right. I am excited to announce that we have our very first guest on the podcast, and her name is Tracy. I'm going to turn it over to her, let her introduce herself, and then we'll dive into a little more about her. So take it away. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Tracy Lynn. I am a mindset and empowerment life coach for single moms who have left toxic and or abusive relationships who basically are struggling day to day, not knowing um, what each day is going to bring. They know there's more out there, but they uh, simply don't know how to go about getting that more that they're looking for out of life. I definitely think that you have a strong audience there. That There are a lot of people who can understand the abuse side of things, but maybe not even realize it. But... Yeah, well, and that's kind of my story, really. Um, I started dating someone and, you know, rose-colored glasses and all, everything was hunky-dory, but uh, ignoring the red flags because we're in love. And, um, you know, we had our ups and downs. We had good times. We had bad times. Um, Looking back now, in hindsight, probably more bad times than good times, but, you know, I was lonely. And he came along at the right time, quote unquote, right time. (laughs) Right. And, uh, um, you know, we got together and we talked marriage. And um, before I knew it, I was pregnant. And things kind of escalated while I was pregnant. Got worse right before I was about to give birth. um, To the point where, um, and it's a story that I've shared, but I don't share often. And maybe I need to share it a little bit more just for the black holes that we sink into, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really see a way out of the relationship because things were getting so bad. Um, the name calling, the berating, the, you know, you're no good. How could you do that? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that I contemplated an abortion. I didn't see any other way out of the relationship other than going that route. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, I didn't. I have my son, and I am so grateful that I didn't because um, he's amazing, and really, he's probably my biggest why for wanting to be a coach, Um, you know, showing him that uh, there's other things out there, and as well, I want to spend time with him. I mean, I'm a full-time working mom right now and trying to launch a coaching biz because I want to be there for him more than I am right now. Like I do feel like I'm missing out on some stuff. Oh, I totally Um, understand that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But obviously single mom can't leave to do the coaching. So I'm trying to do it in between. Um, You know, I kind of thought that things would get better once he was born. Mm -hmm. Um, So I stuck it out for a little while and in fact it got worse. So, um, but at the time I I wouldn't have said I was being abused in any fashion. I just thought that he was kind of being a prick, that he Mm -hmm. was an asshole, that, um, you know, he just had issues and couldn't communicate like an adult, right? Right. Like just part of his personality kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I figured at some point we'd figure a way, past it, through it, work on it together, whatever. Yeah. Um, And at one point I was 
commiserating with a girlfriend and she basically said to me that it's better to come from a broken home than to live in one. Yeah. And that was my light bulb moment. That was my, I have to get out of here. I can't continue on the way that we are. Right. So it was almost four years ago now, so I couldn't give you an exact time frame. But anywhere between a week to a month, I had sorted things out. I had gone to a lawyer. I'd found a storage locker. I'd found a place to live, and I was gone. So it was just very um, sudden? It was really quick. It was basically once – well, what ended up happening was I started packing a few boxes to maybe, quote-unquote, scare him. Okay, yeah. Into – wanting to try and make things work yeah you know like go to counseling do whatever and to be honest we did do a couple of sessions of counseling but all he kept saying was well I know what my problems are she's the one with all the issues Uh, which was wonderful to hear (laughs) (laughs) always Um, yeah so yeah I would say once I realized that counseling wasn't going to go anywhere I was I had checked out I had gone to a lawyer to see what my rights were I had found the storage locker and I was gone um very quick. I mean, so much so that I don't think he even realized what was going on until the moving van was in his driveway. Right. <laughs> I don't think he thought I would do it. No, I, um, I think that is something that in, in a lot of controlling relationships that they don't think that you'll have the courage to pull away and to follow through. With yeah. It. Well, and having a five month old, it was definitely one of the hardest things I've had to do. For sure. Um, but for his sake, I couldn't raise him in that environment. Like, I saw what it was doing to his other two boys that he has with someone else. Okay, yeah. And I couldn't do it. So I really didn't see any option but to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite down, I guess. Like, I just wasn't myself. Right. And so I started seeing a counselor because things with him were just the emails, the texts, the everything was just aggressive and um, aggressive is the only word I can think for it. I mean, he was just mean and nasty. So I started seeing a counselor and it was her that coined it for me saying that I had suffered emotional abuse. Um, It just wasn't something that even entered into my brain that had been going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more we talked about it, um, I realized that, you know, he was a narcissist, a borderline narcissist, whatever you want to call it, because he's not like he's ever been diagnosed with it. But um, it's just everything was everybody else's fault. All the time. It was all the time. It didn't matter what happened. It was never his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, always, always someone else's fault, which makes it a little hard to deal with somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> so, um, I probably spent a good 18 months in counseling okay. and trying to deal with him. We had a physical altercation a couple of months after I left, um, which really sealed the deal for me on not trying to make things work out. Yeah. For like there sure. was, there was no going back from that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely be a deal breaker for me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, I did call him out on it and he was like, well, what? It wasn't like I squeezed because he actually grabbed my throat. Okay. 
And I was like, okay, yep, not working things out. And then he escalated with, um, why are you doing this? I can't believe you're tearing the family apart. Um, you only want Quinn for yourself. You never wanted me to be a part of his life. And it was just constant, constant um, beration and putting me down and placing all the blame on me yeah. um, to the point that at Christmas time that year, so another four months after the physical altercation, um, it really escalated where he felt the need to yell at me in the pouring rain while holding our son when I had gone to go pick him up mm-hmm. um, because he would come pick Quinn up from my house. I would go pick Quinn up from his house mm-hmm. three times a week. Mm-hmm. And I spoke about this with my counselor and she basically said, you're going to su- you're suffering from PTSD. Yeah. Every time you go and see him, you're getting re-triggered every single visit you get triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever you can do to minimize that trigger is going to help in your recovery. Otherwise you're never going to recover. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what I had to do was I had to find somebody to come with me every time because by having that third party, he never said a word because okay. he always had to be seen as being the good person. Right. He didn't you know, want anyone like else I'm, to, to see the abusive behavior yeah exactly like i'm the bitch that laughed he's this great guy right Mm -hmm. and that did help a little bit um i mean he would still email and text ridiculous stuff but at least it wasn't that face-to-face stuff so the anxiety wasn't rising up the butterflies the sweating palms the feeling sick to my stomach wasn't happening every single time i had to go and pick my son up right um and it was getting hard to function too prior to that brain fog, um, tired, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I don't know if I ever agreed with the depression, um, diagnosis, mm-hmm. but then my definition of depression is you can't get out of bed for days or hours. Right. I didn't have that luxury because I had a five, six, seven month old that I had to look after. Yeah, absolutely. So was I depressed? Maybe. I don't know. But for me, it was mostly the anxiety. Like even just talking about him sometimes in the beginning, the butterflies would start. Yeah. If I had had to explain a situation that bothered me, something he had done to like what I call the powers that be, you know, a counselor or the courts or something, Mm -hmm. I'd start to cry and I'm not a crier. Yeah. It just became so overwhelming. Um, that I just despaired. I, I just would go into these black pits of what if and um, what I like to call catastrophizing. I was always thinking of the future, like, oh, my God, if he does this, if he gets that, and what happens, and yeah. what if, what if, what if, right? That somehow, by some divine intervention, <laughs> I came across someone on Facebook who was so positive and upbeat Mm -hmm. and kind of leaning towards that woo side of things that we all talk about now, the mindset, (laughs) the, um, you know, the empowerment, the something greater than yourself, source, universe, God, whatever you want to call it. And there was something refreshing about it. For sure. 
that I just had to follow her and following her led to others. And then I started learning about coaches and life coaching and, you know, what did that mean? And, um, I finally signed up for my first group coaching program, which was eye opening. Mm -hmm. And I realized I needed more help than a counselor could give me. For sure. Yeah. And that's when I signed up for my very first spiritual healing coach, I guess you would call her. Mm Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to tapping and journaling and meditating and all of that stuff to kind of help, I guess, center yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think I would be where I am without her. Um, Because over the course of three months working with her, I definitely got to a place where I was less anxious. Mm -hmm. the days and weeks of despair and black holes and what ifs and spiraling that I used to go through, you know, now came down to like, I don't know, anywhere from a day to an hour, depending on the severity of what triggered me. A huge difference. A huge difference. Um, What took longer to recognize was what was triggering me. Right. Um, understanding that something he would say or how he would say it or whatnot, that, that took a little longer, Mm -hmm. but over the course of working with her for six months, so the first three were really just centered on healing. Um, she got me to understand that I have a story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. And that what I've gone through is not unique. I mean, my situation is unique, but like dealing with this sort of stuff in and of itself is not unique. And there's others out there that I could talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And help and maybe shorten their healing time from my experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I have friends in my personal life and friends I've met through, you know, the online space and everything that have come out and shared their story with me, but haven't really felt safe enough to share their story with other people. Yeah. It's the silence. It's, it's the being perceived as like, well, you could have done more or, you know, why didn't you stay? It's the the judgment. Mm -hmm. I think that we worry about the perception of, of what others, how others look at us for having left, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a post a while ago that silence is the abuser's best friend. It is. Absolutely. It is. Uh, I, I came around to this whole podcast thing. I wanted to start last summer and it was a completely different concept from what I'm doing now because it hit me a few weeks ago that, you know, just like you said, silence is their power and their best friend and they can only keep that if we don't speak up and say what actually happened and we don't share our stories it's that gives them the upper hand and as soon as we speak out then it's gone exactly and I think you're always going to come across you know the families who how can you badmouth our son or how can you do that with our daughter or whoever it is that's doing whatever they're doing but I think we have to power through and that's where a support system a tribe, mm-hmm. a coach yeah. will help with that because you can't do it on your own. Like I, if I hadn't found the coach that I found or even the group of women that I originally found that led me down the path to coaching, mm-hmm. I 
I don't know where I would be right now. I mean, I think I'd be a freaking basket case. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I mean, I maybe totally I would it. be curled up on the floor in a fetal position, you know, <laughs> reliving Groundhog Day every single day. Yeah. Um, because he would have beat me down eventually. Yeah. Um, because I definitely was not the person I remember being when I left. Yeah, I get that. You know, like they definitely know how to strip you down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know what my life would be like if I hadn't found this world of coaching and something bigger than ourselves and meditating and, and whatnot. Right. Because, yeah, it's it's been a lifesaver for me. And I my goal is to pass that on to others. Yeah. Even if I don't make a dime doing it, which let's be real, I mean that's all that would be my ultimate goal is to leave <laughs> the eight to four job that I have right. and make a go of coaching and, yeah. and help women in various fashions, whether that's one on one coaching, group coaching, workbooks, courses, whatever. Yeah. But even if I can't make a go of that, but I can touch a life and help them through it, mm-hmm. then I'm good. <laughs> No, I I absolutely agree with you that, you know, for the last few years, I've been on my entrepreneurial journey and changing what I've been wanting to do and who I want to help so much until just this last year, I went to Pays to be Brave um, that Anjali hosted in San Diego. And I was literally bawling in a room of 500 people that my life changed in a matter of an instant during one visualization exercise. And it was just that I had to share my story, whether yeah. I made it my job or whatever. It was just that I had to I had to talk because mm-hmm. somebody needed to hear it. And yeah. and I like I made posts from that point forward and just being vulnerable as all hell because I couldn't hold it back anymore. Because as yep. I was holding it inside, I was making my depression worse. I was making the anxiety worse. But I was also not helping other people by saying you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's the biggest thing is when you're in it, you do. You feel alone. And that's – I mean, I can't necessarily speak to depression. But in my case, that's that was his thing was isolation. Yeah. You know? Um Everybody was horrible. My friends were all bad because they would never come visit, you know, Mm. um, all of that stuff, right? So eventually you just feel it's easier to not talk. It's easier to not go out. Um, So, yeah, and then by not talking about it, it makes it that much worse. And, yeah, you think you are alone. You, You think that nobody else will understand or whatever goes through your mind when you're thinking those things, right? Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, I had a similar experience, not with a significant other, but with um, a family member um, two years ago or a year and a half ago, um, my brother and I went through a very serious situation where he was constantly harassing me. And I mean, it got to the point where I was having severe panic attacks to even go into my office at work because it was in the building he lived in. And it was where my employer wasn't helping me and like my family wasn't supporting me because, you know, it's, well, he's your brother. Like we can't choose sides, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And we ended up in court and, you know, I, I filed a restraining order and things, it, it got so bad to that point. But I didn't realize how bad I had been internalizing everything until my husband and my coworker said, if you don't go to the doctor today, we're going to call and have you go to the doctor because I was just to that point. And I, at the doctor's office that day, I sat in the waiting room bawling my eyes out as I filled out that questionnaire where they say, you know, has your appetite increased or decreased? Have you been sleeping more or not at all? How many times have you thought life would be better off without you? Like I could answer to the extreme on every single one of them. And it, yeah, I, I left the, the office that day, I think I shared in last week's episode, that with three different prescriptions and a diagnosis of severe depression and um, socialized anxiety over this issue with a family member that, right. you know, when and you feel like you can't do anything because everybody else is like, he's your brother, you should be, you should fix it, you should make it work. And I'm like, but what he's doing is not okay. Yeah, yeah, and and that was my fear with Quinn too. Was if I stayed, the behaviors that his father was exhibiting, he would start to think was okay, and that's not okay. No, no. (laughs) And I guess I should probably also clarify too, because I kind of feel like I'm doing a disservice in some fashion to this. But I think my main focus is single moms because I know them. Yeah, I am one, but really. you know, I feel like I could also be helping women in general who have dealt with a toxic or abusive relationship in some fashion. I may not know yeah. it as intimately as I know being a single mom, but I mean, I still have tools yeah, in my little bag of tricks <laughs> to help others if they are going through something like that with a family member or a coworker or yeah. a boss, you know, because sometimes it's not easy to leave. Everybody no. might just say, oh, find a new job, but that's not always, no. <laughs> you know, that doesn't always solve the problem or it's yeah. not that easy. I mean, you know, sometimes finding a new job is hard. It is, yeah. So what can you do to help yourself in that situation? So, right. yeah, my main, my main target audience is single moms because, you know, I know that they struggle and because um, I've been there. Yeah. But, yeah, really, abuse in general mm-hmm. is not cool and I want to help. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're I think you're on a great path there and you're going to do fantastic things. Um you had mentioned in a conversation we had before about your your word or your phrase for 2019. You want to share that with everybody? Oh yes, yes. Um I guess last year 2018 was probably about growth and finding myself. So mm-hmm. this year now is about letting go. I have come to realize that I've been holding on fairly tightly to a lot of things, which I think is not helping my anxiety Mm -hmm. by trying to control um, the situation between his father and um, him, you know, like standing in the way of whatever relationship they may have, um, you know, by trying to control things so much, I think I was also getting in the way of the courts knowing yeah. what kind of person he is. Now, they're not stupid. I'm sure they've seen it all. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> you know, by trying to control the visits and trying to control what's said and what's done, you know, I, I feel like I was not letting him shine as the lovely person he can be. Right. So um, for my own sanity, for my own sake, um, 
I am working on letting go of what will be. I like that. Either he's going to have a relationship with his child and he's going to step up to the plate or he's not. Yeah. It is what it is. For sure. I think that, you know, your theme of, you know, letting it go can, can definitely help your clients and stuff too. Because like, as I'm going into 2019, my, I am set on how can I be better tomorrow or what Uh can I do better next? Um, because I was stuck on letting, not letting things go to and letting the past hold me back. And even just like the things that I did today, I would overthink and be stuck on and let one thing in the morning control my entire day. And so, yeah, my goal is kind of right there with you and just saying, okay, so what can I take from this? How can I be better tomorrow? And just building on the things that are there in alignment with where I want to go. Well, and another thing you could do with that too, for yourself and your audience, um, I'm reading option B right now Mm -hmm. by Sheryl Sandberg and something she has been practicing isn't so much gratitude, Mm -hmm. but it's what did I do well today? I like that. I like that a lot. So instead of writing, instead of writing four or five things of gratitude, she writes four or five things that she did well that day. Yeah. Um, my husband got me a panda planner uh, for Christmas, like at the beginning of December. And at, it's just a one page for the day. But in the beginning, it starts. you start your morning with your three things you're grateful for, three things you're excited for, what your focus is and priorities. But then it has a spot for the end of the day where it says, what were the three wins for the day? Yes. And yes. what can you improve upon tomorrow? So, yes. yeah, it's it's been really cool to see how I can just bring it back around. But Yeah, for January 1st, I started on the gratitudes and then I started reading this book. So yeah. this week, at some point tonight, probably, <laughs> I'm going to start with the uh, with my wins for the day. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. It, it definitely helps too, I think, where I come from with the, the depression and getting sunk down into that hole that yes. I have to pull myself out and say, there, there's got to be something I did good today. Well, and the way she put it was gratitude is very passive. Yeah. Whereas um, the wins of the day or what you did well is a little more proactive, I guess, in rewiring that mindset. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So, yes, it's something I plan on putting into my repertoire of writings that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. All right. So I am not going to take up any more of your time tonight. I'm going to wrap it up for us. What is one piece of advice that you would give to my audience listening today? I would say, actually, there's probably two. I would say, start talking, start telling your story and don't do it alone. Those are good. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Tracy. And thank you. I hope to have you back on again sometime in the future. Yes, this was my first podcast interview, so it was a lot of fun. I would love to come back. All right. I look forward to having you. So have a wonderful night, and I will talk to you again soon. I will. You too. Okay. Bye. I just want to take a moment now as we close out after Tracy's interview and just reflect on 
all the empowering things that she had to say that she came out of this relationship stronger, not at the beginning, but through time in therapy and finding a coach and finding that support system and all the things that can help her get through her triggers. And just knowing that she had that child to live for, that she she had to keep pushing forward and to push herself through it. And she found a way to do it successfully and so successfully that now she wants to help others do the same, that she knows what it's like to be in that abusive relationship. She knows what it's like to feel like there's no daylight to see out of that black hole. But she did it. And she knows that it's possible. And she knows now that it's not her fault. And she knows now that everything that happened, it wasn't because she was a bad person or that she chose to stay too long and let it go on forever, but it taught her lessons and it taught her how to value herself and her child's worth. And now she wants to teach other women that they're worthy too. And that there are options and a light out there and you can recover from these relationships that you find yourself in, whether that be with a spouse or a sibling or a boss or a coworker or whoever it may be. Abuse happens everywhere. We don't always see it. Sometimes we're so blinded by love or shame or expectation that we don't see the signs and it takes someone from outside saying what exactly is going on to shake us and make us see for me it took my husband and my coworker saying if you don't go to the doctor we're calling and you're going anyway for tracy it took her friend saying it's better to come from a broken home than to stay in one If you are out there in this position right now, please take it from us tonight that it is better to remove yourself from that relationship and get help and surround yourself with a solid support system so that you can overcome the trauma than it is to stay and let it continue and get worse because it will because it may start out as something small it may start out as I need to see everything that you do on your phone it may start out as I don't want you to go out with your friends without me it may start out as calling you stupid or other names that aren't so nice It may start out as limiting any interaction that you have with other people by saying that you're worthless or nobody would care anyway. But I promise it will escalate. What you tolerate is what you will receive. And 
abusers like to take control and they will push and push and push as far as you will let them. So please know that you are not alone. There are people who understand exactly what you're going through. There are resources to get out and there are options and ways to recover. So please, if you feel like you need an outlet or you want to share your story, please send me an email at yesliferality at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to share with other people. I'd love to bring you on the show and hear from you directly. Whatever it may be, reach out. Know that you're not alone. And I hope that you find the strength to value yourself and put your worth ahead of whatever perceived love you think may be there. That's what I got for you guys today. I know it was a little deep and it was a little harsh, but it's something that we have to do. We have to break the silence and we have to speak out because your story matters and you matter. Have a wonderful day and I will talk to you all next week. Bye. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.